0: You're listening to the Grace Through Faith Weekly Podcast. For more information, go to mygtf.org. We hope you enjoy. Okay, if you are um, new with us and you're trying to check uh, who we are out or been here for a while, um, we have something called Growth Track. And I'm going to go ahead and dismiss those who are in Growth Track and getting ready. I know Pastor Bo and Pastor Mercy are doing Growth Track 201 today. Um, but if you're here today and you're wanting to know a little bit more about who we are as a church, Growth Track is the place to be. It's where we talk about how we do ministry, how, um, what we believe, and how we go about things. And so I'd invite you to be a part of that. You don't have to do that. Um, in order. And so we've set those up to where you can try to jump in wherever um, and just get to a, a place where you can see who we are as a church and get to know us and ask a lot of questions. And so great, great stuff happening. So that's going on right now. The other thing I want to make an announcement of before I jump into today's message is we're going to be having a team night. Um, and I did not write down the date. It's going to be in two Thursday nights. <laughs> um, it, there's none of my staff in here either right now. March 4th. Thank you, Amy. Uh, all right. March 4th. So March 4th, 6.30 in the evening, we're going to be having a team night and that's for all of our dream team. If you volunteer anywhere um, in the church, whether that's ushers or worship ministry, children's ministry, wherever it is that you, then I want to invite you to come be a part of that team night. I'm going to be actually talking about some really significant direction and vision for our church in in the coming days. And so I'd really like for you to be a part of that. That's going to be on March the 4th at 6.30 right here in the sanctuary. And so mark your calendars and come be a part of that with us. Okay, if you have your Bibles, open those up this morning. Two, Ephesians, let me make sure I'm telling you the right here, Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, we've been in a series titled Level Up, and we've been talking about what it means to grow in the Lord and what it means to to really grow up in our faith, and I've talked to you about kind of a segment of what we believe is, is our visions and our mission here at GTF, uh, and it's up here on the wall, is to help uh, other people discover God's grace, continually grow in our faith so that we can all reach into our community. And, and, and really what I've been focusing in the series is what it means to grow. This really is a big part of what I believe that, that God has called us to do as a church, not only to help people discover God's grace and start their journey with Jesus, but then to, in a dynamic way, continually grow up in their faith. Have you ever met somebody who is 65 years old and still acted like a five-year-old? You don't have to raise your hand, but you know what I'm talking about, right? There's a place that God wants us to get to where we engage with him at a level that we begin to, Jesus called us to follow him, where we begin to progress in our relationship, in our journey with Christ. And so if all we ever do is say yes to Jesus and never take a step forward, I don't think that we're going to experience the dynamic thing that God wants us to experience in Him. Amen? Now, that doesn't mean anything about whether you're going to get into heaven or hell, but it means how, how you live your life for Christ in this world really is impacted about how you take your steps, how you walk in this journey. Amen? And so over the last several weeks, we've been focusing on this scripture in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. It's what's kind of captured here in a couple of sentences, but I want to read it to you again. It says this, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead... We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So, what I've basically been kind of focusing on over the last couple of weeks is that if we focus on those three things, those last three things that the Apostle Paul says to be healthy, to continually grow, and to be full of love, then we will progress in our relationship with God and we will become mature. See, growing up in Jesus isn't hard. It's not something that's unnatural. It's something that if you apply yourself to it, it will begin to happen. So we've talked about being healthy and really being spiritually healthy and having your innocence restored to you. We've talked last week about about being full of love. This week what I want to talk about and really focus on is growing up and being mature. So let's talk about spiritual adulting today, all right? You're there in uh, uh, First, or, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter four, and I'll, I'll I'm gonna read a little bit more of that passage that I did, did in just a sec. But let's let's kind of focus on what I mean by spiritual adulting. You know what adulting is nowadays, right? That's kind of the thing that my teenagers talk about. Is that they do something responsible or something that a responsible adult would do and all of a sudden we're adulting. They went to vote or they they got their driver's license. You do some responsible adult things and you begin to do the things that a grown-up or a mature person would begin to do, right? Well, there's a spiritual side of that too. That whenever we begin to uh, spiritually begin to grow up and mature, then we stop Doing certain things and start doing other things. We begin to pray. We begin to apply the Word of God to our life. We begin to make our faith something more than just words, it becomes actions. I can remember a time in my life whenever I was an admirer of Jesus. You see, Jesus didn't call us to admire Him, to think He's a great guy, to think, you know, He's a lot like Gandhi or Martin Luther. King Jr. or somebody who's an influential person that we look up to in this world, right? He didn't call us to admire him. He called us to follow him, surrender to him, to lay down our life and let him live through us. That's what we've been called to do. And whenever we begin to spiritually engage with that reality, we begin to grow up. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He said, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man or an adult, when I grew up, I gave up childish ways. See, everyone in in, in their journey with Jesus begins at the beginning. So this is not anything to slam you if you're struggling with immaturities in your walk. We all start at the beginning, right? We all begin at the starting line. And and the thing that that happens whenever we engage with God is that we will naturally begin to progress and grow and mature whenever we engage with what God's doing through his word, through prayer, we become worshipers, all of those things. Now here's the thing that that I want you to to see as we unpack today's passage, is that if you want to level up in your relationship with the Lord, there are some things that you're going to have to eliminate in your life. If you want to level up in your relationship with the Lord, there's actually some things that you're going to have to incorporate into your life. Simply put, if you want to level up, then you're going to need to get good at exchanging the old for the new. Ephesians chapter 4, we just read this passage up here, 14 through 16. I want to read on past that and look at verse 17. It says this, This is this exchange that you and I have to get good at doing. And, and here's my question that I have for you and I today is, I read this passage, did somebody teach this to you? That was the question that Paul asserted to the people who were hearing. Is, it, it, there's this proclamation, it's like, you did not learn Christ this way. To walk in your relationship with Jesus just like the rest of the world walks. To interact with people on social media like the rest of the world interacts with people on social media. To consume the same entertainment that the world consumes. See, there's this reality in Christ, and we prayed this earlier during worship, is that we are called to be light bearers. We are not children of the darkness. And I understand fully that I am a work in progress just like you were a work in progress. But it changes nothing That we are called to walk in God. Amen? Amen. And so this exchange that Paul's talking is like, don't forget how we taught you to follow. Put off the old and put on the new. Take off and put on. That's really what those words mean. To put off means to discard or to throw away. Paul said it like this in that verse that I read just a second ago. I gave up childish ways. I'm the one who does that. See, God, whenever I got saved, He came and did something supernatural within my spirit, and I was reborn or born again, regenerated. That was not something that I could do. God did that for me. Amen? Amen. But as I walk out my salvation, I have a part to play. I get to choose the things that I do. I get to choose the places that I go, the friendships that I create and relationship. Amen? And so what Paul is saying is, you put off childish ways, you put off the old, and then you put on, and that word put on in the Greek means to clothe. to put on, Like you put on your clothes this morning. To clothe yourself with the new. Actually, in a different place, in, in the book of Romans, Paul says to put on Christ. If you want to be a spiritual adult, growing and maturing... You must exchange the old for the new. You need to learn that reality and do it on the daily. Exercise it religiously to where you are able to identify, oh, that's my old man. That's that old guy, Jory. And what I know through the scripture is he's dead. And so I'm not going to try to live that old thing anymore, but I have newness in Christ. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Now, look at verse 22. Again, and, and notice how Paul, he touches on the, the reality of desires. We talked about desires a couple of weeks ago, and I want to kind of come back to that. But in verse 22, he says, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is cor- corrupt through deceitful desires. Desires. Remember, we talked about how to learn to yearn a couple weeks back. We talked about how I talked I talk to you about how desires inside of you are the things that lead you to do the behaviors. And if you want to begin to control or, or, or break a behavior pattern that you know is sinful, it's really futile to go to the behavior pattern first. You have to go back to the desire. That's where it begins. As a matter of fact, James says this, he actually tells us how sin comes to happen within our hearts and within our behaviors. He says this, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. See, if you and I want to get good at putting off the old and putting on the new, one of the things that you've got to get down is to learn to yearn for the purity of who God is. Now, I wish that I could tell you that I never interact with my flesh, but I do. People make me mad. Sometimes I want to do things that, 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 that feel good to my flesh rather than what I know is right. You know what I'm talking about? And so one of the things that I have to do and you have to do as well is to address the desire. God, give me a desire that's different than what my flesh craves. Give me a desire for purity. And this is what I said a couple of weeks ago, and I want to say it again today. God can change your desires. Whenever I was 18 years old, I never wanted to be married. I was like, never going to do that, right? And I'm I'm an 18-year-old guy and dumb, right, and full of hormones. And I can remember I got saved and God changed my desire. And I couldn't tell you why that happened or how it happened. I just knew that something changed inside of me. And all of a sudden, I wanted to be married and have a family. At 18 years old, and I'm going to just tell you, this was a God thing that happened. And April can attest to this. We hated each other at the time. We, We dated through high school. We were high school sweethearts. And one of the things that God began to do was repair our relationship, and we got married shortly after that, about a year and a half later. Now listen, that's just an example of how God can change your desires. And so if you're struggling with something as you're walking in your, in your relationship with Jesus and you want some behavior to change, start with the desire. That's where it begins from is that God would come and sanctify and shift something inside of you where you begin to yearn and crave for holiness and for the purity of God. Baptism is probably the greatest example of this exchanging the old for the new. I'm so glad that we got to baptize 13 people today. These days are really, really fun. They're fun for for the families of people who are celebrating with their loved ones getting baptized, but they're fun for us as a church, right? to get to rejoice with people, to hear their testimony and what God's doing in their life. I don't know about you, but I've been baptized three times in my life. And I get asked this question sometimes as a pastor, is like, should I get baptized? And I'm like, hey, if you think that you should, you should. I got baptized whenever I was 12-ish, 12, 12, 13 years old, and I got baptized because that was the right thing to do, right? That's what you're supposed to do. And I have people ask me sometimes, and actually this, kind of, this question came up this week as we had all these kids that were getting baptized, is how, how do I know as a parent that they're ready to get baptized? And I, just, I started in ministry as a children's pastor. And this rule has always worked well for me because it's the words of Jesus. Jesus said, do not prevent the little children from coming to me. And so here's the thing that I do as a dad, and I've done this as a pastor, is whenever a kid starts expressing interest in you know, I want to I get saved, or I want to give my life to Jesus. I love Jesus. I'm just telling you, for a 5-year-old, 7-year-old, 10-year-old, it's an easy decision for them to make. There's not a lot of things that are hindering from them, so why would you want to stop it? Whenever a kid comes in, they're like, hey, I want to get baptized, automatically there's something inside of me is like, you're just doing that because your friends are doing it, right? I've had that conversation with my kids, right? And one of the things that I, I see in, in the heart of God is don't stop a step towards him. Let it happen. And so I tell parents all the time, it's like, well, they don't really understand what's going on, and I'm just kind of like, yeah, I didn't either. I still don't understand everything that I probably should understand, right? But the progress has started. The process is underway. And so I, I got baptized whenever I was 12. I don't know that I fully appreciated it. I knew that I was supposed to do it to follow Jesus, and so it was, it was purely an obedience thing. I got baptized and I went on in my life. I, 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 was, I was very bad as a person <laughs> in my teenage years and I walked away from the Lord and all of that stuff happened to me in, in high school that, I, that uh, it didn't happen to me. I happened to it. And whenever I got, got to a place where I rededicated my life to the Lord, I, I mean, God did something so miraculous in my life that I was never the same. And I can remember there were so many things that God set clean in my life. He, he changed my desires he changed my friendships and my relationships. The old jewelry was literally dead. And I was a new person. If I ran into high, if I still to this day run into people that I knew from high school and they're like, you're a pastor? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this thing happened. I gave my life to Jesus and it, it changed everything. Right? Well, the thing that began to happen as God began to change my life whenever I was about 20 to 22 years old april and i were married we had i think we had sydney at the time and we had a small group and we started in our small group talking about salvation and there were a lot of people in our small group that were in the same boat as me and april and who had grown up in the church and then left the church and you know gone their own way and then come back to the lord and we just had this play this this time as a small group that we all got baptized Somebody had a relative that had a pool, and as a small group, we all went and got baptized, and I got baptized again because I wanted to solidify something that God was doing in my life, and that was the second time I got baptized. Well, see, there was this third time that I got baptized, and I was actually in the ministry as a pastor. I, I became the pastor of this church as a senior pastor whenever I was 30 years old, and I was probably 33 years old, and I went on this retreat. And God was doing some profound things in my life, and he wasn't really dealing with me about getting rid of bad behaviors. He was really dealing with me about really stepping fully into the new of who I was, solidifying my identity. One of my favorite baptism scriptures is Galatians 2.20, for I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ that lives in me. And the life that I'm living right now before you, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That passage was, was something that God was just dissecting me in my soul at that place. And I was on this retreat, and we were actually in, down in Hunt, Texas, down by San Antonio. And um, one of the guys that was doing the retreat said, does anybody want to get baptized? And I was like, I do. I want to get baptized. And I got baptized in freezing cold water in the Guadalupe River in January. And here's the thing, the reason I want to share these stories with you about being baptized is every single one of those experiences marked me. It did something in me. Now, you don't have to go get baptized every Sunday. That's not the point of this. My point is, there's progress in our relationship with God. And as you grow, I'm not just in baptism, but in your relationship with God in prayer, in reading your Bible, you're going to go through different seasons, and you're going to emerge and mature but you have to set your foot on the path. You have to begin to take steps in him. Baptism, whenever we when you see people go down the waters, it represents the putting away of the old. The old you died with Christ in the waters and you were buried with him and you raised a new creation. It's an illustration. It's a public declaration. But what it does is it, it, it basically gives you a picture of how you're to live your life every single day. Exchange the old and put on the new. Put off the old and put on the new. And so whenever you wake up tomorrow, you get to have a choice. Are you going to approach life in the flesh or walk by the spirit? Are you going to do what God's called you to do according to your personal power or his power? You and I have, Paul is asking, didn't you learn it this way? This is how you're supposed to approach your daily experience with Jesus. And as you do this, you're not perfect in your behavior up front, but you're perfected in your spirit man. And as you walk this out, you will enter into this journey of becoming more and more holy. The guy that I am today is so different than the guy that I was 25 years ago. And the guy that I'm going to become in 25 more years, if the Lord tarries, is going to be even more different than who I am right now. Here's the reason that this is important because your witness really matters. See, the reason that I think that you should become an adult spiritually and that you should grow and mature in your faith isn't so that we can all kind of just look at how mature I am, I'm more mature than you. It's not to brag. The reason that you should grow in your faith and become more and more mature is because your witness really does have a huge consequence. I want you to look at a passage. This is where we'll close. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And as we read this passage, I want, you, I want this to become the motivation of why you want to grow up in God, why you want to mature, why you want to be sanctified, Okay? Second Timothy chapter two, Paul is writing to Timothy. This is one of the, that many scholars believe this is the last epistle that Paul wrote before he died. And so he's kind of trying to download every last bit of what he can to his protege, Timothy. And he says this to Timothy in verse 20. I'm going to read this to you out of the NLT because I like the way that it translates this. It says, in a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions. And the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean. And you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Here's what I believe that Paul is calling Timothy to and. In light of that, what I believe Jesus is calling you and I to is be special. See, the thing that, that the analogy that Paul uses, he says, think about a mansion and a wealthy home, okay? And in that wealthy home, there are really fine pieces of furniture and really ordinary pieces of furniture. There's really fine dining dishes and there's really everyday ordinary dining dishes, right? But they're all in the same house. This is not an issue. Sanctification is not an issue to decide if you're going to go to heaven or not. It is to help decide what use God will use you for. See, Paul says to Timothy, he says, be special. Be set apart. What he's calling Timothy and you and I to is become holy, which means set apart for divine purposes. Be holy. Why? Because somebody in your life needs you to be. Somebody in your life needs you to be the utensil that God shines through in your workplace, in your classroom, in your family. See, your witness really does matter. And if you go out tomorrow and you really mess up and you sin and you you really twist off and do some bad stuff, right? It does not change your relationship with Christ. But it does tarnish how God is able to use you. I promise you. It messes some things up. See, God has divinely orchestrated some things for you to do. He has a calling and a specific assignment on your life, day-to-day and long-term. And whenever I get out of step with what God is wanting to do inside of me, it messes up my witness. It messes up my ability to be used for something special. Paul doesn't just leave it there. He calls Timothy to something, but then he tells him how. And this is the part that, that I really love because I'm just kind of a, a, a basic fundamental guy that just wants to know how to do this. It's like, just keep it simple. please. It's frustrating whenever somebody tells me to do something, but they don't tell me how to do it. Just a pretty simple guy. And Paul says this to Timothy in verse 22. Look at the very next verse. Number one, run from anything that, stim- that stimulates youthful lusts. Those are desires again. He's talking about your desires. Run from anything that stimulates youthful, sinful desires. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. He gives you three things there of righteous living. Faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Here's three things that Paul says in order to keep yourself in a special place where God can use you for really special purposes. Number 1, flee from immature corrupt desires. Number 2, pursue righteous lifestyle, and number 3, surround yourself with others who are doing the same thing. That's pretty simple. I'm telling you, if you will commit to doing those things, you'll grow up. Who you hang around really does matter. Whether you're a person who pursues faithfulness, you're a man or a woman of your word, whether you exhibit love and peace in the midst of conflict, it really does affect how God is able to use you. And how you steward your desires and being able to identify with something is dark inside of you and putting it off and putting on Christ. If you and I commit to doing those things that Paul's talking about, then we have set ourselves apart. Now listen, we're all still flawed and imperfect and we're stumbling ourselves through this. But listen, God will come along and do the gracious thing that he can only do. But this is our part to play. The reason that this matters so much is because there's somebody that's in your life right now that needs you to be the utensil that God uses. They need you to be the witness As we saw 13 people come this morning into the baptistry and go into the water, we heard some things from their story, and they were testifying, they were declaring who Jesus is in their life. And people need to not only hear that from you, but see that in your life. So I want to ask you to do this. If you would stand with me this morning. We're going to take communion. If you need elements, if you'll just raise your hand, we have some ushers that'll give those out, hand those out to you. Pastor Bo's going to lead us in worship as we take communion. But as you take these elements, this is the thing that I want you to meditate on. The thing I want you to think about and pray through. Is God, is there something that you're wanting to do in my life to take off the old? What is it that's in the way right now of my witness and my ability to be used by you in the kingdom of light? It really does matter. God needs the, the, the body of Christ to stand in a place where we can be used in every single circumstance in our life. That we're able to, to touch and influence the people around us in powerful ways. And so, Father God, I just pray in the name of Jesus that as we receive these elements today and as we, as we invite you to come and do this work in our heart, would you begin to show us the things that we need to put off, God, and how we need to put on Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.